everybody. Welcome to, I guess, second show of October. Uh, we're the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Joel, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys. What's going on? It's Jason. Jason. Uh, we did a very good job with the uh, very good transitions last time, so we have a lot of pressure on us to transition <laughs> between segments really well this time. Yeah, I don't count on it. <laughs> I'm with you. So I, I guess this is where I'm going to put this story at, Jason, because this is the best place to fit it in. All right. Uh, played played a game with my dad this weekend. Oh, nice. Played Heaven and Ale with him, actually. He <laughs> picked it up fairly well. Are you serious? Yeah, he did. He didn't <laughs> do bad. And it's fairly heavy for him. He did decent with it. But he did his standard um, what my dad does thing. We got we played with three players. He only played four stacks of monks or whatever. Right, yeah. Four rounds. He got to like the midway point around the track on round four and was like, ah, just finish it up for me, guys. <laughs> and like walked away from the table. <laughs> oh, cool. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's a great game, though. I love it. The more I play it, the more I like it, the more I just want to play it. So you were dead on on that recommendation, Jason. It, it's a great game. It really is a good game. And I started doing my board game ranking engine because that's going to be coming up that we're going to talk about it and yeah i had to make a few tough decisions in there but i just started so we'll see what happens i'm working on mine too i'm at like 79 percent, and i've decided that i'm not going to use the uh, engine for my rankings entirely it's going to be a framework for where i start and we'll go from there then so i because like if you have sometimes there's games that like i like this one better than this game but I don't like it better than this other one. Right, yeah. But then game C, I like better than game B, you know? So it's like a weird thing, you know? I don't know. So it's just tough. The other thing, too, is sometimes I rank my games like, do I want to play it right now this minute? And then sometimes I rank it based on, does this game have merits? Have I had it in my life for a long time? Should it stay high? It's it's tough to know which way I want to do it. But, yeah, I'm at like 80%, and we'll figure it out before. I, I guess the only person who said when to do it is uh, super fan Michael Picorni. Oh. So do it in uh, January. I didn't even see that. <laughs> he said, "Do it in January." Everybody does December, so yeah. All right. I, did he sound? Did he sound more official when I called him Michael Picorni? Yeah, it does sound more official, more legit. <laughs> yep, he's a he's a he's a podcast reviewer. Um, he reviews board game reviews. <laughs> he, anyway, he does. <laughs> we have a couple of new guys in the in the forums too that are really doing a great job contributing and stuff too so welcome to the forums over there guys um and uh we really love seeing the photos getting put up there in the riveted we love seeing you guys interact with us it's great so i have nothing else up top here jason nope me neither let's move it on all right so now let's get started with some news uh i'll be honest i didn't do very much due diligence on this news, but I did find a, a few pieces that I wanted to talk about, so I'll get started. Um, the first one is the second printing of Rise of Nobility, and it also has an expansion, I think, called Beyond. So the Kickstarter is called Rise of Nobility Beyond. And it's on Kickstarter now with 14 days to go. Uh, I didn't look much into it because it's essentially Rise of Nobility with an expansion, so it's just going to add more flavor and more stuff to it. So if you like Rise of Nobility and you, you didn't get a chance to get it, now is your chance on Kickstarter for 10 days by the time this episode drops how do you how do you feel about rise to nobility i like it i think it goes on a little too many rounds but i mean i think it's a good dice placement game yeah i think the only thing it does that is kind of clever that's different than other games 
is that uh, the like guild workshops or whatever, if you can put a high enough die there, you get to like the benefit stacks. You know what I mean? Like you get the benefit of all those workshops. Right. Yeah. But other than that, it's just a standard kind of dice placement game. So if you love dice placement, it's good. But if you're like, ah, I've already got Voyages of Marco Polo and maybe Rajas of the Ganges. I don't know that this one's got real estate on your shelf for you. I'm, I'm trying to figure that out for myself, actually, at this point, too. Yeah, I mean, I would play it. I wouldn't mind having it because even though it's the same as some other ones, it gives me different art to look at. So I'll just go with that. Yeah, it's it's got some really cool stuff. The only thing that's kind of like just whatever about it, I think we might even mention on the on the game, there's that little lower right-hand corner where you can get some points, and it just doesn't feel like it's balanced or right either. So I don't... I don't think I've ever really seen somebody win that game or even be super competitive by saying, I'm going to really focus on that bottom corner, just trying to get those. I don't even remember what that part of the board's called, but I don't know. That's a, that's a weird thing in it. But other than that, I think it's a really good game. Yeah, I agree. Um, the next game I want to talk about, I actually talked to the designers at Origins this year, and it's a game called Center Shaft Fallen Elements, and the company is Not My Eyeball Games. This just dropped on Kickstarter, I think... By the time this episode drops, maybe five days ago, and it's only 8% funded. And what's really going on here is you're in this space station or something, and you're exploring tiles. You can warp from places to place, and the board shifts, so people can change the layout of the board. So you could be going like straight and then all of a, or facing one way, and then all of a sudden you'll be facing a completely different direction, trying to get these gems and these things to win the game. It's a cool little exploration game. It has some take that, but it seemed interesting, so I figured I'd talk about it. Very cool. And the designer's a cool guy, so I'll give him a shout-out. They have a cool logo. Not my eyeball. I like their logo. (laughs) Yeah, it is a cool logo. It's a cool cool name, too. I mean, who would name their company Not My Eyeball, but whatever. Uh, The next game is a game called Dragon Boats of the Four Seas. This is from Maple Games, and one of the designers is Daryl Andrews. Uh, I don't know a ton about this, but I watched Rado do a rundown, and there's some bidding for these spots on these boats. And basically, whoever gets on the boat in a certain position gets to say where the boat is going to go, kind of like an Emotep. And then once you get on this island, there are tiles that you can collect for a pile of points and some special powers. So you're trying to bid for the best spot, but you're also trying to not waste all of your whatever you're bidding with, money, points, whatever, just to get certain things. So it's kind of like a give and take of, do I just want to go somewhere and take what I can take, or do I want to be first to guarantee what I'm get getting? So Dragon Boats of the Four Seas from Maple Games seems cool, and yeah, that's that. Yeah, little light on the news this week, but I think as we start getting reports on the Games Fair and what was hot there. We'll have a bunch of news for a few weeks here coming up for sure. So Yep, totally. The calm before the storm, Jason. Yep, that is true. All right, so now let's talk about some games that we got to play. And I'll get started with that. And I played a game that's pretty out of my element. It's a game about shapes and colors and dropping it into this plastic thing. It's called Drop It. It's from Renegade. Uh, you have these colored like squares, circles, triangles, and diamonds, and you're trying to drop it into this little plastic... It looks like a Connect 4 tray, but there's no holes. It's just all one solid piece of plastic with a little space in the middle. 
and you're trying to drop these pieces in so they're not touching the side of a certain color or they won't get points. They're not touching the same color shape in the plastic and they're not touching the same color in the plastic. So you're trying to work off like different sides of the, the drop zone and what your opponent is dropping so you can get these shapes to maybe bounce the way you want them to bounce to get some points. It's kind of random, but it was actually pretty fun. So drop it. Cool. I uh, can't help but think of like aggravation or something when you first started to describe the game. Um, I don't think I know this game at all, really. If I saw it, maybe I'd say, oh, that it's that game. But yeah. did you like it overall? Yeah, it was good. Um, I mean, essentially, think of Connect 4. It has like a Connect 4 mechanism where you're taking a piece and you're dropping it into it, into like an upright thing. Right. So it, it functions similar to that, but then there's like actually some game in there. I didn't want to play it because I thought it was just like a normal dexterity game that once something falls over, you lose. But there are actually some rules and you get some points. So my kind of... I guess you can call it a dexterity game. So that's drop it. If you're into those games, check it out. Cool. I don't know that I'll pick that one up or play it and, or at least go out of my way to play it. Cause it doesn't seem amazing, but I mean, I've never been a fan of those kinds of like balance these meeples or build this structure with like game parts kind of games like junk art or anything like that. So right, yeah, def- definitely not my kind of game, but I can see where people enjoy those for sure. Yeah. It's not mine either, but I think if you play it, you would, you would at least enjoy it. You would, you wouldn't hate it. It's I, cause I didn't hate it. I don't like these kinds of games either. And it actually had yeah. some tension to it. So it was, it was fun. I don't think I've played a renegade games game that I'm like, Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. So that's true. Um, that is true. Yeah. Well, I played a game that, I, man, I don't even know if I, I don't, I won't call it horrible, um, but it's a game that is really unique and I've never played anything quite like it. It's called Red Scare. It's by Panasaurus Games, I believe. Um, just a really bizarre game. So, you know, like on Decrypto and like, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, I had Clue Jr. and it had the same idea yeah. when I was a little kid where you had that little red lens and you put it on top of something oh, and yeah, you can yeah. see you can see like what's underneath the red scribbles or whatever. Right. Well, this game is a like it's like a secret identity and deduction game where half the people at the table wear these glasses that have red lenses in them and then the other half don't have the glasses on and these cards go out and half the cards have like red scribbled in typing on it so people wearing the glasses can read which side that card's for and then it also has half the cards have these blue squares that like real subtly have like a watermark in the blue that if you're not wearing glasses you can see that it's like a soviet or patriot card and so like the whole point is like you're trying to sort out people between patriots and soviets but like you can only see half the information at any time and so you have to kind of try and figure out who at the table you can trust it is on your team to tell you truthful information about the cards you have in your hand. And then you have to try and like make trades with people. So it's like, it's like pit meets like the resistance meets decrypto. It's really, really weird. That is and weird. You can play it in like a turn-based order, which is kind of okay. But if you play it in real time, it gets a little crazy, but it's way more fun. So I don't know. It's uh it's really interesting. Cause like once you get this hand of cards that you think is all matched up, then you decide, okay, I have a, I'm have a patriot and I have a handful of Soviets in my hand. I'm going to try and uh, deport these guys. Or if you have like your team, you're going to try and exonerate them and like keep them in the country. So the whole thing is just about like trying to kick Soviets out of the country. And the game's set in like 1951. So just a really interesting game. That whole like mechanic of I can see half the information on half the cards kind of thing. Or all the information on half the cards, I guess, more accurately. It's just really neat. And I... I man, I really think it's cool. Um, 
it's like this game had all the potential in the world and it just didn't quite deliver. This was one that I picked up at uh, Barnes and Noble for like 75% off. So the price was right on it. And I think I'll hang on to it for the like seven or eight bucks it was. Cause I only played it at a low player count. You can play up to 10 players. It's from four to 10 players. So at 10 players, it might be a much more interesting game too. Has pretty terrible ratings on Board Game Geek. I'll say that. It's probably not quite as bad as the ratings on Board Game Geek give it because it's not a real like commonly played game. So you got to be a pretty intense board gamer to have played this game at this point. And this is not an intense board gamers game, I don't think. So hmm. I don't know. I think it's better than the ratings on Board Game Geek, but I'm not sure that it's something I would say. Oh, yeah, definitely go out and find it if you can right now either. So a, a three, a three out of five probably. Yeah, I mean, the premise seems cool, but at the end of the day, I've played so many social deduction games. I I got to we got I got to move on. Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> one this one's enough different that it'd be worth playing one time, but the bottom the bottom line is like I've got a group of 10 people there and we're going to play a deduction kind of hidden identity game. We're going to Secret Hitler. Oh, I yeah. mean, that one kind of has the one that's the best one at this point, I think still. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it sounds cool. I, yeah, I'd probably play it once just to check it out because the, the red glasses thing seems kind of neat, but yeah. Yep. All right, so the next game I'm going to talk about, my buddy Matt, he brought both my ga- these games over that, that I played. And this game is called Rising 5, The Runes of Astros. So essentially what this game is, it's a modern day version, a gamer version of the old game called Mastermind. So you have these four runes that are in like this... It looks like a, a, a plus sign pattern. And you're trying to figure out which color rune goes in to which space. And there are six different runes, and you got to figure out which four are the correct pattern. There are five people that are on this, this planet that you can use. And you have hands of cards that match the character. And you can't take an action of the character unless you have that card in your hand. So you're trying to play these cards to use their special ability to fight these monsters to get these little cubes to open the portal so you can even talk to the little shape area. And then once you do that, then you got to see if you got any of it right. And the, the app tells you if you're, if the shape is in the, if the color you have is correct or if it's in the right spot, it'll give you different symbols based on that information. So you're trying to deduce like, well, we know the yellow one is right, but it's in the wrong spot. So we're going to mark it down on this other part of the board. So we know later and you're just going over this through a series of rounds, and you're trying to do that before the eclipse track hits the red sun and you lose or you run out of cards. And when we played it, we came down to the last card, and we won. It was awesome. It gave me like the same kind of tension as Black Orchestra, actually. Huh. That's pretty wild. Yeah, it, it's. I was surprised. Like I started playing, I was like, this seems really dumb. But then as we were playing, I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like, I'm not a big co-op fan, but this is definitely one that I enjoyed. Well, you called it Gamer Mastermind, and I was like, oh, that sounds terrible. Like, we're all just trying to put pegs into a board and, like, figure out the order of these colors. And it really is Gamer Mastermind, but, like, it sounds way cooler than that, honestly. I think I actually want to play it now that you've described it that way. Oh, yeah. Um, It's way, way cooler than Mastermind. (laughs) Way cooler. So... Is there, is there, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. So is there like a one versus all thing in this or is it like a game master or is there an app or how do you uh, it, know the sequence? It has an app that you'll scan. You, you randomly put out the runes at the very beginning. You scan the app and then the app will say, Hey, this is what you have right now. So you have some information before you even get started. And then every time you open the portal, you can take any of the characters and they can go um, run the, 
the runes again to see if changes you've made have increased the you know the win condition so it has an app but if you don't want to play with the app you can play five players and somebody can actually be the the app person they can tell you if the pattern is correct or not but that's terrible so don't do that yeah this just hit my radar big time that sounds kind of awesome it's pretty cheap too on Amazon. I think it's going for like thirty bucks, so it's definitely worth it. And I think, yeah, I actually think you would kind of dig it. it. It, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Well, I'm always looking for a good co-op because my wife hates to play competitively against me. Like she has, it's one of those compounding things. She won't play games with me because she doesn't like to not do well. But then she like doesn't do well because she doesn't play games very often, you know. So right, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. If I can play something competitive, co-op or not competitive but co-op with her. I find that it's a better experience for her and I have a lot of fun and she has a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, this is one that I'm going to keep my eyes out for. Uh, maybe put that on my want and trade list, although it's still pretty hot. So the odds of getting it aren't too great. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty new still. Well, cool. Um, well, let's see here. What do I want to talk about? Oh, Jason, Jason, Jason. Well, Ah oh, man, I played so much stuff that was like I've just talked about it recently. Heaven and Ale. I'm on like a huge Heaven and Ale kick right now. Been talking about that on the show. Um, Downforce. Been talking about that recently. Played it again. Just really love those games. What else did I play over the weekend? I played My Little Scythe. Um, which, if you want to know more about that, I think you'll have a video up of that pretty soon, Jason. Right? Yep, I played that as well. Yeah, review coming. Yeah, I I like it. Yeah, I I like it a lot. Review coming. Review coming. That's all he can say. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want to hurt his ticket sales. <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll tell you what I played that I haven't talked about, um, and it's worth talking about, is New York Slice. Um, this is from BZA Games, and it's basically you make these stacks of 11 pizza slices, and then you put them into a circle, and they all have different numbers on them. And so it's like that whole thing of like when you were a kid and your your brother and you wanted to like share the last cookie – your mom said, one of you cut it, the other one pick it, you know? And so, like, this is the same thing with this. You make a number of, up to the number of players that you have playing, you divide the pizza into that many players, like portions, and then you're the last person to pick. So then everybody picks around, and then you get the last whatever's left over. So it's a, a set collection game also. So the pizza slices have pepperonis on them, and you can, like, eat the pepperonis and get just points straight up without having to do any any set collection on them. But then also the pizzas have like a number on them and you're trying to get majority on these numbers. So like the 12s are worth a lot of points as opposed to, you know, the, the threes or whatever. So um, you're trying to just have the majority on the high numbers, but then there's also like some Supreme pizza slices, which are kind of like wilds. And then there's an anchovy slice, which is like kind of like it's negative three points and you can't eat it because it doesn't have any pepperonis on it. So you just get negative three points for taking it. So that's kind of a cool thing to add to the game too. So it's like, you know, if a couple twelves popped up, you could group those with the anchovy slice kind of thing. So although it doesn't usually work out quite that well because you can't change the order of the slices, you can just change the groupings of them. Um, but just kind of a cool like make the sets and then draft them kind of game and then put them in front of you. And it's real simple, real light. Just anybody could play it, honestly. So New York Slice, cool components too. Real nice heavy cardboard. And the pictures of the pizza looks pretty delicious. It really does. It looks like a real pizza, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's New York style. So that thin crust, it's about the same thickness as a piece of New York style pizza. So, <laughs> Yeah. This game came out, I don't know, last year or something at Origins. And I'm just not a big fan of the I Split You Choose stuff. I, 
I don't know. That just is super boring to me. But I know a lot of people dig this game, and I would try it once just to see what all the hubbub is about. It's another three out of five game. I mean, I got it for, I think, eight, nine bucks at Barnes & Noble, too. They're running some really killer sales at Barnes & Noble's. Um, I've got the Grizzled, too, for six bucks, which I'm looking forward to. And I got this crazy game called Secrets. So I got two games that are like Soviet hidden identity games. But this game, Secrets, I haven't played yet. It looks a lot better than Red Scare. But the most noteworthy thing in it is it comes with these, like, the size of silver dollar plastic player identifying tokens. Like, thick, heavy plastic. It's pretty crazy. So hopefully I'll get some of that stuff played. Have it to talk about next week. I have a big gaming weekend coming up because I'm a bachelor. So my wife's hanging out with the, with his, with her girlfriends this weekend. So that means I literally have gaming scheduled from 5 p.m. till 3 a.m. Friday. And then I have it from 10 until midnight on Saturday. So I'm going to neglect life and just play games all weekend. Dude, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it sounds like heaven to me. Yeah, I am going to the Renaissance Festival. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. Take that back. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not gaming. LARPing will be a good time, man. <laughs> yeah, I should get into LARPing. There's like a community that does that in my park, like just right down the road. They're like in the summertime, they're out there LARPing like all the time. I didn't hear you say the word not very loudly. You might want to say that again so we can make sure that people heard you say, I should not get into LARPing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, I should not get into LARPing, yes. All right. Well, cool. That's what I played. It wasn't too exciting this week, but that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I played others, but these are the two that I thought would be the most interesting to talk about. So, so I did. I, I promised to play some stuff that I've not played in a while. So I have interesting things to talk about next week. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. The riveted, I failed you. (laughs) Yeah. I told my buddy, I was like, I need to play at least like two different games that I haven't played before. So I can have something to talk about. He's like, all right. (laughs) <laughs> I kind of think the same way too. I'm like, I need two things I haven't played yet this year, Luke, so I can talk about them. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I mean, you just need two, then you can play whatever you want. Right, for sure. And if we ever drop down to one game we talk about, like, just know that it's because we're getting some fatigue on having to play stuff we don't want to play anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna put a statute of limitations for us talking about a game on repeat of one year. So after a year, we can talk about, you know. We can talk about Kanban and Lorenzo again. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Or next week. I don't think you've I don't think you've talked about Lorenzo yet, though. I haven't actually. No. Someday. Oh man, you better play that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, I need to. <laughs> Why? Well, hey, speaking of games that haven't been played on our shelves, I guess that's our topic for this week. Um, we're play, we're going to talk about some games that we need to play more. We just haven't played them very much. So on my mine, I have actually the three games I have in mind. I have not played my copies of them at all yet. So they are true shame games. I'm not sure, Jason. I think you probably played yours. You could do you do a really good job of playing your stuff. Yeah, I've I've played all of mine. I've just only played them once. So I'd like to play them more. Right on. Well, Jason, I will. Uh, I'll go first, I guess. So that way you can have the grand finale here for us. All right, sounds good. Uh, my first one's going to be Detective, um, which is a, mo- a detective, a modern crime board game. I don't know what the subtitle is on it exactly, but um, got this one like immediately upon its Kickstarter fulfillment. My FLGS had like a retailer's um, level backing kind of thing. So he had him come out with the Kickstarters. And so I picked up a copy. Actually, I got mine a little before some people around here got their Kickstarter edition. 
but I still haven't played it. It's just sitting on the shelf. I got it specifically to play with my wife because it's, again, a co-op, and she likes those solve the mystery kind of things. Um, I heard it's got some rough language and stuff in it sometimes, so I'm not sure if that'll go over well with her, but I've pulled the game out. I've set it up, which there's not much to set up, and gone to the website, gotten ready to play, and then it was like late enough that I was like, ah, I'm not even going to ask my wife to play it tonight. So... And I really want to go through the whole thing with her. So that's what's keeping it on my shame shelf. Um, I'll probably give her until... I mean, a lot of my shame shelf games are stuff that I bought to play with her. Um, so I'll probably give her another month or so. And then if she doesn't you know, like feel like led to play with me, I'll probably bring this to the board game group and resolve, resolve that bad boy with them. But Detective, a modern crime board game or whatever the subtitle of it is, is my number three, Jason. Sweet. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to play that one. Um, I, I'm i interested and hesitant because Portal has horrible rule books. And after slogging through Robinson Crusoe, I don't know if I can do another one like that. So The, the rule book for this one wasn't bad. That's funny because Portal does have really bad rule books. Like Robinson Crusoe is terrible. But Galaxy Trucker is one of the most enjoyable rule books I've ever read. And I guess it's not Portal. That's CGE. Right, but yeah. Yeah, I kind of think of those like ignasi games all being from the same company but they're not right all right so i have another well not another game but my number three game is terra mystica and i got this one i don't know earlier this year and i played it once but every time i think about taking it out i just think man there's a whole lot of pieces to put on these little boards and a whole lot of stuff to explain because it has kind of a, a lot of rules for as simple as the game is well, simple to me. It's not really simple. I get that. But so every time I bring it out, I'm just like, man, I don't really want to teach this game. I don't want to teach the, if you're next to me, you can, I can usurp some of your power and it's going to help me. I don't want to explain the power bowls that it has to go from one bowl to another. Yeah. I just don't want to explain it. So that's most of the reason why I don't play it. But yeah, I do like it. I want to play it. I just don't want to teach it. I want to play it with somebody who knows how to play it. So that is my number three, Terra Mystica. So this game gets lumped in with Clans of Caledonia a ton and really kind of unfairly because they're really different games, honestly. Um, Clans is way simplified. And I think really the only things that I view as being pretty similar are that whole, like, as you take things off your player board and put them on the main board, you get more powerful. Like, that's the biggest crossover I see between them. Right, yeah. Um, But, I mean, like, if you had Clans, do you think it would be on your shame shelf too or do you think it's just enough simpler you'd get it to the table more? Yeah, I could probably play Clans more. And then I think if I had clans then it would transition into terra mystica because then people would be familiar with some of the the building on the map and like how you're next to people because in clans it still does that too if you build next to somebody you get a discount when you're selling things right and so yeah i think clans would be a good intro to terra mystica yeah i agree for sure um and then clans is good because it has that like fulfillment board which people have played like something really simple like Catan or something would understand that fulfillment board too. So right. I don't know. I think there's a natural ladder right there. You can go from, you can go from getting someone to play Settlers of Catan one weekend to Clans of Caledonia the next to Terra Mystica the third. And then they're an actual real board gamer. So there's our three-step program, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I like it. And then after that, Vita Lacerda. All Vita Lacerda all the time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's a good one. I actually... I'm going to have, I have a copy of that coming to my place. Um, traded, made a trade and they threw it in there. I had it on my want and trade list and it kind of made the trade equitable. So I was like, yeah, that's a good enough game to have around. It's a classic. So, um, got that one coming back to me actually. So 
I, I, it's on my shame shelf too, I guess, because I haven't played it in a long time, but I haven't owned it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't. So, yeah, it's not technically on your shelf right now, though, so you're good. But I think even when I owned it, I only played it a couple times, and I liked it a lot. But it's just like everything that you said, I agree with. It's a lot to. It's almost like you need to know that you're going to play with the same people four or five times and know that they want to play that game a couple times at least because it's like 100 energy units of explaining the game to spend 85 playing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so yeah, like, yeah, but it's a good game for sure. And if you know you could get repeat plays, it would definitely be worth it. So, yeah. Well, my number two, Jason, is something I picked up at Origins, was super pumped to get it, got it all put together. Has really cool components, has really cool everything about it. Um, and that's Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. It's one of those games that I just, I was super pumped to play this game. I was like, oh, a 4X game that's not in space. Very cool. I like Tiny Epic Quest. Um, and I think this is, not Quest, what is it? Tiny Epic Kingdoms. And this is, you know, the uh, the big box full game of this. And it is really the same thing, kind of with some extra rules. Um, but I just still haven't had a chance to get it out yet because I just haven't had the right group to play it with. Um, you need somebody who doesn't mind a little bit of confrontation in there, but they aren't going to fight just for the sake of, you know, fighting because they want to be a troll or something, you know? So I don't mind having confrontations and fights in board games, um, but I don't want people just to fight because, hey, this is a game we're supposed to fight in, and it ruins the game for them and ruins the game for me, and then the people who stay out of the fights run away with it, you know? I mean, that's... And, and then the other piece too, like I'm sure you've experienced this too, Jason, when you're a more experienced gamer and you're playing with less experienced gamers, like people kind of team up on you and it's kind of a bummer. So, um, that kind of contributes to me not having a chance to play this yet either. So I don't know. I'm, I might get this one out this weekend, but that's on my shame shelf. I haven't played it any times yet. Um, and it's just staring at me and I've got like a lot of investment into that game for me not having played it yet. So, um, here's a land air and sea is my number two. Yeah. Um, I would actually be interested to play this one one time. So I'll play it with you one time. Once only. Once only, yep. Yep, it has been a cheers, Jason. So <laughs> you will break out. You'll need to take a Benadryl before you play. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. My little side has miniatures too, and I, I survived. Yeah, dude, that game's good. It is good. It really Review is coming, good. though. Review <laughs> coming. <laughs> Review coming. <laughs> Review coming. That's true. <laughs> yeah, Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea seems cool. I actually think I'd probably just want to play the Tiny Epic version of it. Yeah, the Tiny Epic version is really good, too, actually. Um, but this, the tech tree is way more involved with Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. And the combat's more involved with the cards and stuff. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a more fleshed-out version of Tiny Epic Kingdoms. Uh, but, I don't know. You get a lot of the same feel with Tiny Epic Kingdoms, for sure. Oh, that's cool. So looking through my three games, I think I had them on this, the, this list for all the same reasons. And my number two game is Vast, The Crystal Caverns. I've actually played this one twice, but I've had it for like three years. And this game, you have to teach four different games at the same time, or five different games if you're playing with five people. And that gets a little, a, a little monotonous. I think both times I played it, it took like four hours to play because it was two hours of explaining. And I'm all for playing a game for a couple hours, but I don't want to explain it for a couple hours. So Vast of Crystal Caverns, amazing game, asymmetry at its best, but I just don't want to teach it. And I'll probably, this sounds horrible, but it'll probably never, ever be played again unless it's just me playing by myself against something because I know how to play. So Vast of Crystal Caverns, my number two. 
Woof. I mean, like, I, I've been in that situation, too, though, where it's like I'm the only person in the game group who likes it, and it's just, I don't know. You don't want to trade it because you have hopes to play it again, but at the same time, the realization that no one will probably play it with you. Yeah, I mean, it's a great game. Once everybody figures out what they're doing, the game is awesome. It's just getting to that point. It's, like, brutal. It's like, man, we've been playing for two hours, and I've taken one turn. I mean, that no, that's no go for me. That's yep. That's yep. That doesn't cut it for sure. Um, that's rough. So, I uh, I work with this guy, and he's a really great guy. He's a teacher that I work with that knows I love board games, and he went to the board game shop that I have been hanging out at quite a bit for the last year or two. And he's like, "Hey, what's Joel been looking at lately? Like, what can I buy for him?" It's just kind of an end of year, end of the school year present, and I thought. Right, and I thought it was really cool that he did this for me, but the game he got me is one that I've definitely been looking at, but I was just like, kind of like, ah, I don't know if I'll ever play this or not, but I would love to have a copy laying around. And that game is Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition. Um, so he got a copy on clearance for me, which is awesome, like super generous to the guy, and I definitely don't fault his like heart for doing that. It's just I haven't had a chance to play it yet. And I've, I'm pretty sure I'd love that game too, but I just, oh man, it's just, it's an event. You have to schedule it out as an event. And then I don't even really know the rule set entirely. I played this game once, like when I was first getting into heavier board games. And it was like, a, I was an afterthought. They were like, hey, we ha- don't have our fifth for poker night kind of thing. And it was like, hey, Joel, do you want to come do this? And then like, I would only really honestly do half my turns. The people would be like, well, really what makes the most sense for you to do is do this. And then they would have me do that. And I was like, okay, cool, thanks. So I remember kind of liking it, but it was just a very long game. And my taste in games was really different back then. Um, I liked it fine. I liked hanging out with guys and stuff back then fine. But I remember thinking, man, we could have played three or four really awesome games in the time it took to play this one. So for all those reasons, I have not played my copy of Twilight Imperium 3. Yeah, uh, space. That's all I want to say. And lots of battling and 12 hours. Well, again, you could take a Benadryl and play. <laughs> That's true. I don't really want to, though. That's a game that... It's too much of the things that I don't like over too long of a period of time. So I don't I don't know if I could stomach that one. Yeah, I don't remember there being much combat in it. Um, but if you're going to play a space game, Jason, oh, man. If you're going to play a space game, I'm going to tell you the space game you need to play right now is uh, is Eclipse. Because it's, it's, there's like almost no combat in that game at all. It's all about like how am I going to try and like get this economic engine to fire and make everything so good on my in my empire that no one wants to mess with me. And if you can play the hero game part well, seriously, you won't ever fight in that whole game. So I don't know. Eclipse is one that is almost shame shelf because I haven't played it in over a year. But I don't know. That's the other piece too. These games get got compared at one point, and it was like I think to Eclipse's detriment that it got compared to TI three. But Eclipse is a really great game too. Yeah, I, I'm definitely more interested in Eclipse for sure. But yeah, TF3 or 4 or whatever it is now, way too long for me. Yeah. All right, Jason, what's the last one here? All right, so my number one, I put a game down as the game, but it's really, I have like six of the, this company's games on my shelf, and they all fall into the same category. So the game I wrote down is Vasco da Gama, but the company is the publisher What's Your Game? Because they're all these heavy, crunchy games that pretty much I only can play with Katie or people who are really up to learning something. They're all beasts to teach, and I just would love to play them. I just can't. So Vasco da Gama is my 
one I'm talking about, but I also have Vinos, which is them, Zhangwo, Signori, Asgard, whole bunch of good ones that I don't ever get to play just because they look intimidating and people are not wanting to do that usually when we're having board game nights. So what's your game specifically Vasco da Gama is my number one. Yeah, it's a good pick there, Jason. Yeah. You don't even want to play it, but I I mean like, I don't know. There's just other trading on the Mediterranean games. I'd rather play, you know, I'd, I'd rather play Concordia or voyages or whatever, but I mean, it's a fine game. It's not, it's not something you should throw off the roof of your house. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And this may not even be the best one of this company. It's just the one that I've played the least of all of them. So I figured I would throw that one in as the shame game. The, yeah. The thing I like about it is it's just, it has the coloring that I like. It's nice and gray. I like gray and brown. And I kind of like how the ships move around in the shipping area. I don't know. It, it does a lot of the same things as other games, but it does it in a, an interesting way to me. So. It's a game that I definitely want to play some more. I've I've got um, three honorable mentions I want to mention, Jason, if you're done. Um, my number one is a game I never played ever, and it was the one that I actually traded away when I talked about trades earlier, and that's Battlestar Galactica. Like I have a copy sitting in my house, never open, cards still in their wrap. Um, it's just punched and that's it, and never played it. And as the value of that game went up and up and up, I put a for trade on it and got an offer I couldn't refuse. So that will be a forever shaming game. But the other thing too, is I have what they call BSG light almost, which is they, they call it like BSG light to a degree and that's Homeland. So I've played that and I really did enjoy it, but it, even it was like kind of long for me um, and fiddly and I hear BSGs even more so. Um, and then uh, Union Pacific is one. I love airlines, airlines Europe, which is really the same game, but this is just a, maybe a, a touch like more complicated version of, of airlines. And it's just got a really cool art in it. The board looks awesome. And I not gotten it to the table either. Um, I think I played it one time as a variant without the board and my board game group before I owned a copy. And then the final one that I'm going to say is really a shame that I don't play it is um, power struggle because I've owned that game for seven or eight years now. And it's still sitting in the shrink. So I found it at a outlet mall for seven bucks. I saw that undead Viking th- thought it was a good game. So I bought it and it's setting in shrink still. So that's my long running shame game. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. Yeah, I have a few. I don't have any in shrink <laughs> and all of these I have played except for one. But the first one I want to pl- uh, play again is a Philip Dubarry game called Spirits of the Rice Paddy. I've played it once. Well, Halfway played it once because the rules are terrible. And then I managed to squeak out a solo game once by texting him and asking him for some rules clarifications. So the Spirits of the Rice Patty. Second one is Ladies and Gentlemen. This was on my show for like three years. We finally played it like a month ago, and I want to play it again. And the last game that I haven't played, because again, the rules are terrible, is called Redacted. Um, I may, I did do a solo run through once just to f- figure it out, but that's only one of the 12 scenarios. So... Those are my honorable mentions. We're doing pretty well. I, sometimes this topic comes up on the forums and stuff, and people say, this is my shame shelf, and it's like bigger than their games they've played shelf. So I kind of want to say to those people, are you a fan of board games or buying board games? Yeah. You know, Collectors, they are collectors. 
for sure. And I mean, I don't know. That's fine, I guess. But man, games are meant to be played. This is like kind of pet peeve of mine too. Like, I don't know. I, I really hate it too. when like people like are interested in trading games with you. And then you say, no, well, it, I mean, the cards have been felt with human hands. Like they aren't all sleeved. I didn't wear white gloves and have them sleeved when I played the game. So <laughs> right, like yeah. hum, human oils got in the cards, but otherwise it's in great shape. They're like, ah, oh, forget that. I don't want your, your tattered and ruined game felt with real human hands in my house. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is ridiculous. Don't get me started on trades. Every time I try to submit a trade, I'll see, I'll send them exactly what they want, like on the trade list. And they'll be like, no, I don't want to do that. Why not? You freaking said that's what you wanted. It says right there. You want this game for this game. Ugh. I, I offer some insane trades sometimes. Like, I have, I would like to get like about 60 games out of my collection. So they go on my for trade list. And then I just like hit the calculation, wait the six hours it takes to get the list to come up. And then, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I offer people like 10 games for one game. And I'm like, hey, does this sound good to you? Like, I don't know. I don't want to have to deal with shipping one game. I'm willing to ship 10. <laughs> yeah. I'll ship you 10 games. You're going to ship me one. Yeah. I'd be like, deal, done. Well, that's the other thing too. I'm I'm gonna end up. I mean, like, man, comment or something. But like, I'm gonna end up having a listing of 65 games somewhere that I'm gonna sell. And I sell my games cheap, man. I sell them for like, I think at the most, I asked 20 bucks for a game that was like maybe 60 or 70 bucks. And then I usually I sell a lot of games for like five bucks a piece. But nobody wants to pay 13 dollars shipping flat rate for a five dollar game, you know? So right, yeah. I don't know. I just wish more local people were hoarders and wanted to buy my junk game <laughs> yeah maybe not calling them junk games that might help too i i didn't i didn't call them i called them uh, <laughs> junk games which is a french word for prized really great games that you just have to let go because you're out of room in your shelf right all right cool yeah well i mean like honestly i i think i don't know like the last time i cleaned out was back like in maybe January or something. And I, I think I made a lot of people happy because I sold games for like three to five bucks a piece that I'd paid 40 bucks for two years before. So I don't know. It's just, I only have so much room on my shelves. And now that we're rich and famous, Jason, again, this is a joke where this is our humor, <laughs> our, our very funny humor. Right. No, we get, we get some stuff sent to us now too. And it's like some of that stuff that gets sent to us is really good. And I don't want to get rid of it either. So, I mean, something else has got to go. It's like, uh, it's like Council of Four. You got to knock something off the shelf to make room for something new, you know? Yep. Yep. I agree. Was that a good image for you, Jason, that Council of Four image there? Yeah, that was old school image. I like it because there, yeah. there isn't a shelf in the new one because the new one's not as good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the wooden cubes falling off a ledge is way cooler than the miniatures. They're not cubes. They're wooden things shaped like people. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and yes, they are way better. So would you be into miniatures if they were hand-carved out of wood? No. They have to be abstracted in some way. Yep. Fair enough. Well, I don't think this is a real wackadoo episode, Jason. I don't know. We I think we need to go back to Tuesday recording or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We just kind of plowed through, set our piece, and now we're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we've got, we're going to have some good episodes coming up, though, especially as some of these Kickstarters start fulfilling. Um, speaking of Kickstarters, Homebrewers, if you guys back that one, thank you. They've definitely made it. I'm really happy that I'm going to get to play that game in two and a half years when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. I seriously backed one last year that I still haven't gotten. Like, 
It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it takes forever sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Not a huge fan. I'm, I think the longest time I've ever had out on one is seriously probably eighteen months. And I think if I remember right, homebrewers they're saying it's December of nineteen, so that's you know like fifteen months out. They have to do art and everything yet. So right, the waiting's the hardest part. Yep, Tom Petty said it best. He sure did. All right. Well, speaking of that, uh, Jason's got to go have his last dance with Mary Jane. And so we have to sign off, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I'm not having a dance with Mary Jane. We'll see. I, I don't think Jason or I have done any dancing for probably 20 years, if I had to guess. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. My wife reminds me of that a lot. Yeah. Any <laughs> any kind of figurative or literal dancing. So. <laughs> yep. Truth. All right. Well, I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. And keep gaming.